This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, it was about 10 years ago, 2010, that a famous, well-known marriage counselor of the day named Charles Lowry, I think he's from Tennessee. I want to say he's from Kingsport, Tennessee, but don't hold me to that because I'm not positive. But he was doing seminars, he was speaking at churches, he was on video, and he spoke all over the country. I remember using his video series. He said two things that were somewhat controversial, and I want to tell you what they were. He said, before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. Now, don't anybody raise your hand or don't anybody nod, but there may be some truth to that. Before marriage, opposites attract. We're attracted to someone who's the opposite of us. But after marriage, opposites attack. And he said, sometimes the very thing that attracted one person to another becomes the very thing that's a source of conflict. But the most interesting thing he ever said, and I really mean this, was so unique that when I heard it on a CD, I think, in my office, I remember saying, I didn't hear that right. And I backed it up 15 seconds. I said, I've got to hear that again. I did not hear that right. Here's what he said. I'm going to quote it. Most men want to be close to a woman who leaves them alone. Yeah, you heard that. Let me say it again. Most men want to be close to a woman who leaves them alone. And that sounds contradictory, but there's some truth to that. And you know, I look at everything with a sermonic mind. I can't look at anything without thinking in terms of sermonic material. And when I heard that 10 years ago in 2010, it's the first thing I thought of. That's what people do with the Lord God Almighty. We want to be close to a God who leaves us alone. We want to be close to a God who minds his own business. We want to be close to a God who says, you do your thing and I'll do mine. That really describes a lot of people. In the culture in 2020, it really does. It may describe your life or mine. And I mean that sincerely. We want to be close to a God who leaves us alone. This is the second to the last message in the Jeremiah series. I've been doing this. I'm going to continue to do it for some reason. I've been led to say, tell people at the beginning what the message is about. Don't make them wait till the end of the message or three-fourths of the message. Here it is. The people of God told Jeremiah, if you can believe this, after the city was attacked and destroyed by Babylon, the remnant came to him and said, Jeremiah, pray to God for us, and whatever God tells you that we should do or not do, you tell us. And we promise we'll do what you tell us. You tell us what we're to do or not to do, and we promise we will do what God tells us to do. Ten days later, I think it was, according to one commentator, they did the very thing that God told them not to do. The very thing God said, don't do this, and I'll describe that in a minute. They said, that's what we're going to do. We're in the book of Jeremiah. 
chapter 42. They're just the first six verses, and we'll actually read part of the text tomorrow on Cross Hope. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you were, in a sense, bargaining with the Lord? Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me until you find out what the Lord is leading you to do, and the story changes real quick. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. We continue this message from Jeremiah 42 tomorrow on Crosshope. That's crosshope.org. And all the people from the least to the greatest approached Jeremiah the prophet and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we were once many, now only a few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what shall we do. I have heard you, replied Jeremiah the prophet. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. I will tell you everything the Lord says and will keep nothing back from you whether it is favorable or unfavorable. We will obey the Lord, our God, to whom we are sending you, so that it will go well with us, and we will obey the Lord, our God. One of the things that God told them not to do is to go to a place called Egypt. There were a group of people that said, maybe we ought to get out of town, get out of Dodge, and go to Egypt. The Lord tells them something in the chapter that a little later he says, you're afraid of three things. And that's why you want to go. You're afraid of the sword, famine, and plague. What are we afraid of today? The plague? War? I don't know if we're afraid of famine in this country. Most people aren't worried about famine, but they could be. And you know what the Lord tells them through Jeremiah? The very things that you're afraid of that are causing you to want to go to Egypt will follow you to Egypt, the sword, famine, and plague. And that's exactly what happened, and we'll find that out later on. I want to talk to you about several things out of this passage. Verse 3 says, Pray the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. You don't have to raise your hand, but some of you have prayed recently in one of those areas. Lord, do we move? Do we stay in this house? Do we move to another city? Lord, what should we do in our family with this situation? We all do that. Those are two of the most common areas of prayer. Where do we live? Where do we go? And what do we do? And I think that I mention that for this reason. You not only are praying about those things, but you need to know that other people are praying for you as well. I think we've been impacted in our lives by the prayers of other people, and we don't even know it. May I tell you this is a personal story, and I don't tell it in some braggadocio way to just tell it what happened, because I didn't know this happened until years later. People asked, how did you move from Atlanta to Dayton, Ohio, to Waynesville? And I found out later that a man by the name of Dick Hess Retired Marine pilot, worked for Chick-fil-A, worked for Cincinnati Christian University for a while. That's how I knew him. Had prayed, he said seriously, for a number of weeks or maybe even months. And then gave my name to people here and said, you need to call Randy Snyder to come to the church. And I said, well, did you give them other names? He said, no, just your name. And I was so touched by that that here's somebody 
that I never knew was praying for me. And is it possible that you are doing things in your life because people are praying for you? Yeah, that is possible in your life and in my life. You have people in your church. You have people in your family. You have friends, perhaps, that are praying for you. You know what may surprise you someday to find out you have neighbors that you didn't know were praying for you. I pray for our neighbors, and they don't know that I'm praying for them. I pray for their families. I pray for their jobs. I pray for what's going on in their life if there's a health issue. We don't know the effects that our prayers have on people. Now, I want those of you that take notes, I want you to write down one of the most important lessons. If you do it, you don't have to write it down. It's better not to pray than to pray when you have no intention of following what God's told you to do. Listen to that again. It's better not to pray than to say, God, we'll do whatever you want. We'll go wherever you want, but we're not really going to do that. That's the most important lesson. Can we bring up verse 5 again? Verse 5 says this, Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends to tell us. They were just really pleading their case. We're going to do what God tells us to do. Ten days later, they decided to go to Egypt. Isn't that amazing? The very thing the Lord said, don't go to Egypt. The point there is it's better not to ask God's guidance if you're not going to follow it. I want to tell you what happened, and it's just one verse of Scripture in the next chapter, 43 verse 7. So they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord and went as far as Tapanus. They entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord. I got a very personal question to ask you. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to answer it to me. But I'd like for you to answer it to yourself. What have you ever done in your life in disobedience to the Lord? You know, immediately when I say that, people know. They know in their hearts and they know in their spirits, yeah, I have done things. I've entered into things in disobedience. Let me give you a couple examples. People can enter into a business deal in disobedience to the Lord. Again, don't raise your hands, but have you ever entered into a business deal with another person, with a company? with a group of people, and you just didn't feel right about it. You felt like maybe the Lord was saying to you, don't do that. But you did it anyway. We've all done things like that. You can enter into a business deal in disobedience to the Lord. I'll tell you what happens all the time, and you know it does. People enter into relationships in disobedience. And I'm not talking just about you know romantic relationships. That's included. But we can develop friendships with people, get this, that drag us down spiritually. Think about friendships that you have and you've had over the years. Do you have friends that have pulled you down spiritually? Or can it be said that you have friends that have pulled you up spiritually? And you have been the friend who has lifted somebody up spiritually. That's all I'm asking. It's all I'm asking. I've told Annie something 10 years after I was in the ministry. I made a discovery about something being in the ministry for 10 years. I'm really a slow learner. 
It took me 10 years to figure this out. And you're maybe wondering, what is he talking about? Believe it or not, I counseled people every week, two and three times a week in my office for 10 years. And after 10 years, it finally came to me. Most of these people have no intention of taking my advice. You say, really? Yeah, not everybody, but most of them had no intention of taking my advice. I found out after 10 years of counseling with people, you know what they wanted me to do? To confirm a decision they'd already made privately in their hearts. They were already going to leave the woman. They were already going to leave the man. They were already going to do this, do that. Randy, sign on to this, will you? That's really what they wanted. And we'll continue this message tomorrow on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. It's going to speak to somebody, and it's a powerful story about obedience to the Lord, about not being disobedient to the Lord. It's told by Donovan Drake, a minister who would spend every Saturday working in a drug rehabilitation center in his city. He said one Saturday he met a man, tall man, who was so tall, I've never heard anybody describe a tall person like this. He bent over to, so he could talk to people. He kind of changed his posture so that he could speak to people because he was so tall. I take it he was over 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, or something like that. He introduced himself to Donovan. He said, my name's Alfonso. And then Donovan said, I said, tell me your story. What's your story, Alfonso? And he said, for years, alcohol and cocaine had me in their grip. Alcohol and cocaine had me in their grip. When he was kicked out of his house by his wife, he went to live with his mother. She gave him a second chance so many times he lost count. In other words, she'd kick him out and take him back, kick him out, take him back, kick him out and take him back. And finally, she said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with you, Alfonso. I'm not doing this anymore. So he said his brother took him in. And eventually, Alfonso exhausted his brother's patience, and he kicked him out. He stayed at his sister's house. She couldn't take it anymore, and she kicked him out. The cycle repeated again with an aunt who took him in. And finally, he said, this is interesting, there was no other house for me to get kicked out of. There was no other house for me to get kicked out of, and I was on the street. And for him, life was over. He's just living on the street. But I want you to hear what he says next. God never gave up on me. He never gives up on you either. God never gave up on me. He said, a stranger got me into a place called the Phoenix House. Evidently, that's the name of the drug rehab place where the Donovan worked. And he said, that's where God brought me back. Get this. God brought me back from the dead. That's pretty low when you say, God brought me back from the dead. But you know what? There's something biblical about that. We can be dead in our trespasses and sins. D-E-A-D. You can and so can I. And he said, the Lord brought me back from the dead. That's the term Alfonso used. He said, I was as good as dead. Listen to this. But the God of the resurrection gave me new life. I landed a job. The job gave me a home, and the home gave me a family. God is so very good. And I was thinking about Alfonso and thinking, 
on the surface, last week I said, well, the average person at Heritage Christian Church can't relate to Alfonso. And then I thought, yeah, they can. I can relate to him. And so can you. God brings people back from the spiritual dead all the time. He can do it in your life. He can do it in your life. And the God of Israel and the God of Judah that we've been studying in the book of Jeremiah is our God. And the God who told Judah, you know, you do what I say. Don't make a deal with me promising that you're going to follow me and then disobey me, which is exactly what they did. Everything they were afraid of staying in Judah was the very thing that followed them to Egypt. The sword, famine, and plague, disease. Think about our country, what's going on today. Your only protection and my only protection ultimately, get this, is a relationship with God the Father through God the Son. Well, this message concludes with a powerful story by Robbie Zacharias tomorrow on crosshope.org. My hope ultimately, and don't misunderstand this, but my hope ultimately is not in a vaccine. My hope is in the Lord. My hope is not who wins the election on November 3rd. My hope ultimately is in the Lord. And it's got to be your hope. We put confidence in man, and man disappoints. We put confidence in the system, and the system disappoints. We put our confidence in education, oftentimes, and education can disappoint, and science can disappoint. We put our hope, hope in the Lord. What does this message say to you? It's the second to the last message. We're going to talk next week about God being a jealous God. God is jealous of His people. You ever thought about God being jealous? He is. Jealousy is not necessarily a bad thing. Jealousy can be holy. It can be righteous. There can be a crazy jealousy, an overdone, overplayed jealousy, but there can be a righteous jealousy. And the Lord says, I am jealous of that which is mine in talking about his people. And I want to suggest that God is jealous of every man, every woman, every young person who's been bought by the blood of Christ on the cross that Danny talked about. Exactly right. It's all about the cross. Ravi Zacharias, I'll leave you with this. Some of you remember Ravi. He's a powerful speaker and my favorite speaker after my actual favorite preacher died, Ben Hayden. Ravi Zacharias became my favorite preacher. I'm not attacking anyone when I say this story. This is his story, not mine. But he said he went through a book, page after page, read every word of it. I'm not even going to say the author's name, but it's a book called Your Best Life Now. And Ravi Zacharias said, I went through the entire book, chapter after chapter, word after word, and he said, not one word in that book said anything about the cross. Not one word. And Ravi asked this question, which I think is a valid question. Can you really talk about having your best life now without the cross? No. There is no best life now without the cross of Jesus Christ towering o'er the wrecks of time. And it is in the cross of Christ that we glory. Meaning, what is it that we delight in? What is it that we rejoice in? It's the cross. 
beneath the cross of Jesus, beneath the cross of Jesus, I take my stand. We stand as people underneath the cross, figuratively and literally, that it's because of the cross of Christ, I have hope in death, I have hope in eternity, and I have hope for my family. It's all about the hope of the risen Christ because of the cross. Don't ever forget that. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this message from Jeremiah 42 and 43. I know it spoke to somebody today. Somebody came here and heard something that they feel was directly aimed at them, and that's what I pray for every Sunday. It's not an accident or coincidence. It's what our intentions are. That's what happens. And I pray that there's a man here today, a woman here today, a young person, who feels that the Spirit of the living God was speaking to their hearts because something that happened thousands of years ago, this book is so timely in 2020. It's not out of date. It's in sync with what's going on in our lives in 2020, and we're, we're aware of that today. Bless people who need you. Bless people who are thinking about committing their lives to you. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.